Good morning, everybody. Welcome. So glad to see you. Good to be with you here today. My name is Alan, and we are continuing this series called The Kingdom. It's just a couple more weeks as we, this series is moving us into the Easter celebration. And the Bible talks a lot about this concept of a kingdom. And what we're doing in this series is we're walking through the book of Matthew because he mentions the kingdom and helps us understand the kingdom multiple t- uh, times in his version of the story of Jesus. And so we're looking at what does it mean to live life in the kingdom? What does it mean to to live life with Jesus as the king? Not just our rabbi, but Jesus as the king. Uh, What we've been doing in this series is, as I said, walking through the book of Matthew. And where we are right now is in chapter 22 in this journey. And in that chapter, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet. So it's this comparison of the kingdom of heaven and a king who prepared a wedding banquet. Now, the wedding celebration, the wedding banquet, the wedding party is the ultimate party. I mean, it's the ultimate human party. It is something that, uh, that has sustained from generation to generation. Lots of things change. Uh, styles change and technology changes. And one generation thinks the other generation didn't do this right or that right, etc. But one, thing, one of the things we have in common is we like to celebrate weddings. We like to make a big deal out of the union of two souls coming together. And so it's a big deal. It's a big Party. And it is, in any culture that I've ever visited or learned about, the, the wedding celebration, the union of two people is, is a big deal. You think about places that you've traveled and things you've learned about weddings in different cultures. I got to meet my wife in Kenya a number of years ago. And in Kenya, uh, I went to a wedding that lasted over six hours long. Not, not the wedding and banquet, just the wedding. Just the ceremony in the church, each person in the wedding party got to do a dance uh, uh, to, to, the, to the rhythm of the drums, got to do a dance coming up uh, the aisle, one at a time coming up. So people literally, they were looking in from the windows. There weren't windows. There were just open holes in the walls. And people from the community, et cetera, were just coming and just peering in the windows to see what was going on. People were showing up three hours late for the wedding and really not missing much. So they could come in, they, could, they still had three more hours of the ceremony. And so, so it's just, it's a big deal. It's different, but it's a big deal. So you're probably familiar with other cultures and the way other cultures celebrate this big wedding celebration piece. Uh, I've learned a little bit this week, for example, in Germany, they have a part of their celebration where they saw a log in half. You can look it up. It just, it's part of the thing. And you see they're playing. And, 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 and part of it is saw, and it's a symbol of working well together. In the German culture, it says we are going to get married and we will work together well as a couple. You got to love those Germans. They know how to party. Apparently in Korea, they have a tradition where they remove the shoes and socks of the groom and they, they hold him down and they beat the bottom of his feet with a fish or sugar cane. And, and, and apparently it's, a, it's, it's to help prepare the young man for the wedding night. I think we all understand how that works. I mean, I mean it, but once again, the Koreans, they know how to party. And I've, I've learned that, in, uh, that in, in France, they have a tradition where they would take... Uh, leftover food from the wedding party, 
they would gather it up, the, the wedding party would uh, gather it up from leftover food, put it in a clean toilet or a ceremonial toilet, and then the, the bride and groom would have to eat some of the food from the toilet. This is, of course, a symbol of being French. I don't know. I don't know why, I don't know why they would do that. But you have to say, the French know how to party. The wedding banquet, the wedding party is, is a grand party. It is the ultimate party. You have your greatest life friends who make great effort to come and be a part of this event. And you have family that you haven't seen for a long time. And, and it's, there's food and there's dancing. And at the end, hopefully, at least in our culture, there's a big pile of presents with your name on it. The wedding party is the, is the ultimate party. So... If the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet, wouldn't you want to be part of that party? Wouldn't you? If, if you are not interested in that whatsoever, then the next half hour is probably not going to be all that helpful. But if you want to be part of that party, then we're going to explore that together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your passion for life. I thank you for the variety of ways that you invite us to connect with one another, to connect with you. And, and God, I pray that uh, in this story that you would make something of your kingdom clear to us. We want to we see you. We want to experience you here today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I said, this story is found in the book of Matthew chapter 22, uh, the story is also found in Luke chapter 14. The way we have the, the four gospels, the first part of the New Testament, there are multiple stories that are found in different, in different places. They're repeated in different places, and, and uh, God has a plan for that as far as why stories are repeated. Uh, but the Luke chapter 14 version of this story, that's the one we know and love. That's the one that is, is happy, joy, joy. The Luke chapter 14 story. That's the one we're familiar with. That's the one we preachers like to talk about. That's the one that we write songs about. The Luke 14 story is happy joy. The Matthew 22 version is quite different. It's the same story, but it's a little bit dark and a little bit confusing. And so for somebody who does what I do, the beginning of Matthew chapter 22 is a story where, where typically, you know, you read and you kind of go, yeah, I'm not talking about that one. <laughs> I'm glad I can. I'm glad I have a window here where I can, let's see, what is, what's happening in chapter 23, you know, where we can move on a little bit. And some, but sometimes when, when I do that, that's when, the, that's when the Holy Spirit likes to tap me on the shoulder and say, psst. Yeah. Um, now, the Holy Spirit doesn't sound like the boss from Office Space, but, but, but the Holy Spirit says, yeah, it, it's in there for a reason. That, that story, that version of this wedding banquet story is in there for a reason. So let's dig into it. Okay, this, this story, uh, as I said, it's the story uh, about Jesus saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet. What happens is um, the king sends servants out to invite others to the party, and the servants choose not to come. They refuse to come to the party. The king gets upset with that, and 
uh, burns the city of the people who were invited. That's the dark part. The king is upset that they're not coming, so he burns. That's the part you don't find in Luke chapter 14. That's the kid-friendly version of the story. But then the, the king says, okay, we got a banquet that's going to happen. I want you to go out and just find others to invite. Find, find others, to, the people, maybe not the people who were originally invited. Go find some other people and invite them. That's the beautiful part of the story. Go and invite. The, the party's ready. We want to we invite people to this party. We love that part of the story. But there's one who does come to the party, and the king goes up to him and recognizes that he's not wearing the proper clothes. So he kicks him out of the party and has him tortured. That's another dark part of the story you don't find in Luke chapter 14. What's that all about? I mean, how does that fit with come as you are, come enjoy the kingdom, come experience, in the, come experience the kingdom? How does that fit with everyone is welcome in the kingdom? How does that fit with the other things that we've been learning about the kingdom over the past few weeks? How does that fit? What's going on here? This is a story, Matthew, beginning of Matthew chapter 22, that is easy for us to skip on by. But there's got to be something in there. We're not allowed to just read through Scripture and only focus on the stuff we like. We're not allowed to just read through Scripture and say, okay, I like this. This is helpful. This I don't agree with, so I'm just going to move on. We don't get to just lean into the stuff we like. We don't just get to pay attention to the stuff we like. It's all there for some reasons, and so we got to uh, dig into it at times. Jesus gives us some help here in this, I think, difficult and confusing story. At the very end in chapter, in uh, verse 14, the very end of the story, he's, he's provided the whole story, and then in this one short verse, he kind of summarizes and revisits the whole thing in verse 14 and says, many are invited, but few are chosen. This is an important yet sobering part of the kingdom. Many are invited, but few are chosen. This, in the original language, originally written in Greek, would have looked like this. Poloi gar eisen kletoi alagoi de eklektoi. Jesus said that. This isn't an interpretation. This isn't a, a, a summary that Bible scholars have said. This is our understanding of what this story means, etc. There's no ambiguity that I am aware of with regard to this verse and what actually was Jesus had said and recorded, etc. Jesus said about the kingdom, many are invited, but few are chosen. There's something there that we are wise to pay attention to, and I don't want to just skip over it. So first of all, many are invited. Many are invited. This, this story involves the, ser the uh, servants. I want to read from uh, verse 3. Chapter, Matthew chapter 22, verse 3, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. 
Those of you who would consider yourself a citizen of the kingdom, if you are a follower of the king, follower of Jesus as king, if you are a servant of God, then it's your job to invite people to the banquet. If, if you are a citizen of the kingdom, it's your job to be the servant who does the inviting. We are going to have a party here in two weeks in celebration of Easter. It is going to be a party. And that's why we have been invite, asking you, we're making these cards available for you so that you can use these cards to invite people to Easter to come and to get a taste of, get a, a taste of what this kingdom is all about. It's your job to invite others. You are a messenger of the gospel. God has provided messengers throughout the whole story. Back in the Old Testament, the messengers were known as prophets. And so God would send prophets, multiple prophets, to help the people understand the ways of God and to, to challenge people to change their ways, to invite them to a different way of living, and essentially inviting them to, to live out their lives as part of the kingdom. That language wasn't used in the Old Testament. That is language you find in the New Testament. Essentially, that's what, that's what the prophets were. There were messengers to invite them to God's way of living. We get into the New Testament, and John the Baptist is there. He is a messenger. He came to prepare the way of the Lord. He is an inviter, a messenger, telling people that there's a better way. There is one who's coming behind me. And Jesus himself is a messenger. If you remember in the first week of this series, and when we looked at Matthew chapter 4, and Jesus comes in, and one of the first things he says is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. In other words, the party is about to start. And so he's a messenger, uh, one who Jesus was sent to, to send this good news and invite people to this party. Now, as we look at the story of God, these messengers, the inviters, the servants who go out and, and try to tell people about God's ways, they're not always well-received. We see this as a consistent part of the prophets in the Old Testament, and we see this here in Matthew chapter 22. In the next verse, verse 5, but they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, the inviters, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, as I understand it, it's very unlikely that if you extend an invitation with one of these cards that you will be mistreated and killed. It's, it's, it's low on the chances level. I mean, it's very small. It's like less than 20%, so there's not much that you have to worry about here. But there has been a history in this story of the servants being mistreated. If you are a citizen of the kingdom, it's not your job to make sure somebody comes. It's not your job to fix somebody. It's not your job to convince anyone that Jesus is the king. It's not your job to save anyone. It's your job to invite people, to simply say, hey, I don't know if you have plans for Easter, but I'd love for you to join me at Mountain Park at the 6.30 or the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> no, if you are inviting somebody, bringing somebody, then those other two services exist. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But that's, that's, what, that's what our job is, is to invite. It's not to, it's not to fix people, it's to invite 
people. We have a few other characters in this story. The inviters go out and they extend an invitation to a group of people who refuse to come. In verse 3, I'll reread it. I'd read it before, but he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Here he's talking about the, the Jewish people from that culture. Jesus is talking about the, the people of God who for thousands of years have known who the king is, known who God is, the creator God, and, and God has been developing a relationship with them over the years. And so the invitation is now, is now sent out to the Jewish people initially, and most of them did not see Jesus as God's son. Most of them did not see Jesus as the Messiah. They refused to come to this party. Now, for us here in 2019, it's, 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 it's any of us who hear the invitation, who receive the invitation to a party, to some kind of invitation to, to learn more about what the kingdom is all about, and we refuse to come. Now, I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about attendance in church, sitting in a church chair. That's, that's not what makes someone a Christian any more than, than being in a garage makes someone a car. You may have heard that before, but... Uh, I'm talking about an invitation not just to sit in church, but an invitation to be a citizen in the kingdom. And so, and so for us now today, it's those of us who hear that invitation, whether we sit in church or not, but we, but we refuse to surrender to Jesus as king. Imagine that there is a party happening here in Ahwatukee. Many of us live in Ahwatukee. Imagine that there's one of the nice homes at the foot of South Mountain, a uh, big home, and they are having a huge party. I mean, it is the, the Tukey party, and you have been invited. So why wouldn't you go? If you truly were clearly, specifically invited to this party, why might you not go? I thought of three reasons why someone would not go to such a party. They all happen to begin with the letter B. We just got lucky, okay? It's a little bit of alliteration for us here today. It's a little gift. Not very, you know, not a very valuable gift, but one reason you might not go is you feel like you don't belong. You got an invitation, that's clear, but you just feel like you're not gonna fit in. You're not good enough. That's just, that's just, that's just not a party that you feel like you're kind of up to. In the kingdom of heaven, it's important for us not to be slowed down or backed off by this sense, this, this idea of, I don't belong. I'm not good enough. We have a ministry on Monday nights called Marriage Mondays. Every Monday, there's a group of, there's a team of leaders, volunteers who are amazing at, at gathering with 70 or however many people come on, on, on any given Monday night. There's a big group time and then they break off into small groups to work on marriages uh, together. And one of the group leaders, uh, the, the, the guy and his wife went up a few weeks back and shared a little bit of their story that they uh, had been doing well in their marriage and their relationship with God, but they went through a, a recent downturn and they had to take a break from leadership in that ministry, but that they, they were pulling out of it. They were starting to pull out of it. And so they shared with the group there on Monday night just the reality of, of God's presence in their lives. And I love this ministry because it's very authentic. It's not a group of people getting together on Monday night and saying, I'm perfect, how are you? I'm perfect, how are you? There's very much authenticity to this. And so uh, this couple had shared this and I went up to the guy afterwards and I just felt like, uh, I felt the need to just tell him, um, you know, thank you for sharing. And, and I said, um, and you know, thanks for your honesty. And I said, 
I, I hope you understand, you are always welcome here. That when you're doing well, you are welcome here. When, when you and your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife uh, drifts into a, a bad place, you are welcome here. You belong. And when you start to pull out of that, you are welcome here. I, I, I think sometimes we need to understand that. It's not just this expectation that it's going to be a, an uphill curve, that you don't know who Jesus is, and then you learn, and everything just gets better and better and better over time, that, that dips and the journey and all that. You are welcome here. You belong. We are all gathering here in this place to try to figure this out together. Another reason someone might not want to go to such a party there in Ahwatukee is that you're too busy. Too busy. You got too many things going on. You just don't have enough time for this frivolous party stuff. And this was the story for these guys in verse 5 here in this story. They paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. And so we're in this story. That's how they had responded, saying, we got work to do. We don't have time for this silly uh, uh, banquet that you're uh, throwing. Our work is more important. Now, Scripture does make it very clear that we are to work diligently, that whatever we do, we are to do it with all our heart. Whatever you do for work, how you fill your days, absolutely, we can honor God with that every step of the way. But it's a dangerous thing to say, I'm too busy for spiritual growth. It's, it's just God has not set us up to live lives where we say, I'm just too busy busy doing all these important things. I'm too busy to connect more deeply with my Father in heaven. It's just a risky thing to say, I'm just too busy. And the king was not happy with that response. A third reason you might not want to go to that party up in the, in the foothills is you just think it's boring. It's just lame-o. You, you get enough information on the party and you just think, why do I want to go? I'd rather work. I'd rather get something done, which perhaps is the way some view about the, the party that is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, yeah, big party. <laughs> maybe you just, maybe just kind of the thought is that it's, it's boring. It's, it wouldn't be of interest to you. It's not going to be all that great. But with regard to the kingdom of heaven, keep in mind, the inviter, the one who is holding the party is the king of all kings, the one who understands your heart's desires more than anyone else, the one who can offer what you long for more than anything else, forgiveness and freedom and purpose and meaning in life, true meaning. What is your role in this grand kingdom? That's what the king who has set up this wedding banquet is inviting you to. It, it is it's the greatest of all parties because it's held by the greatest of all kings. And yet we have the audacity to look at the invitation and say, eh, I'm not interested. No wonder the king is upset in this story. No wonder here in Matthew 22 there's this, there's this stirring of emotion with the king who has a strong response to those who aren't interested in the party. Thirdly, there's another, there's actually a person, but it represents a group of people here in this story. Someone else who is not going to experience the fullness 
of the party. And we find this person uh, later on in the story. I referred to it earlier, but I want to read this, read, uh, this part of it in the story, verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you read something like that, you're allowed to go, what? You are. I mean, when you read something like that in Scripture, you're like, this is, the king is Jesus. And the king is inviting people to the kingdom. And someone in the party is wearing the wrong clothes. And so they get kicked out and tortured. What? Why do, why, do, why do I have to talk about this here this morning when Luke didn't even mention this part of the story? Let me just tell you, this part of the story, I think you know this, but it has nothing to do with what he was wearing. And the evidence I have for that is that in verse 12 it says, the man was speechless. When the king approached him and challenged him about his clothes, he was, you're speechless when you're surprised, when you're shocked. It has nothing to do with his clothes. If he was wearing shabby clothes and walked in and he was trying to make a statement or whatever and everyone else would have noticed, he would have known, he would have known what the thing was. It wouldn't have been a surprise to him. He would not have been speechless if the king approached him. But I think it's clear that the other attendants, the other people at the party, they didn't see what was going on. They didn't notice. He thought he was getting away with something. He was confident he was getting away with something and he was speechless when the king came up to him and saw what others couldn't see. I think this third part of the party is, is a warning to those of us who are hypocrites. It's a warning to those of us who, on the outside, have clothes that look fine to everyone around us. We, we come in and we, have our, we put our religion on and we look like we're doing fine, we talk like we're doing fine, everything seems to go well, but on the inside, we don't care about the king. We really don't, we have not surrendered to the king. I think this is a warning to those of us who are knowingly practicing sin and thinking that we're getting away with something. It's a warning to those of us who are knowingly practicing sin and thinking we're getting away with something. Let me be clear about this. If you, if you don't know what the expectations of the king are, if you're curious about the kingdom and, and you're here and, and you're learning and, and, and you don't know what the, what the king asks of you and so you're discovering stuff and you don't exactly know what is right and wrong in the kingdom, but you're exploring, come on in. Sit at the table. You are invited. We are so glad that you are here that we can figure this out together in God's timing, in God's ways. If you are here and you do have a sense of the expectations of the king and, and you're currently not meeting them and, and you know that you're falling short in certain areas of your life, of your life but, but you're working on it, you're aware that there's, there's that one recurring piece and, and, and there's these other pieces that seem to pop up periodically, et cetera, but you're aware of it and you feel the, 
the remorse. You, you understand that you have, you have offended your God in heaven and you want to do something about that and you, you haven't figured out yet how to do that and you're trying to connect with God and connect with others in order to take care of other parts of your life. Fantastic. We are so glad that you're here. Come to the table. We'll continue to grow and learn and figure this out together. But the ones Jesus is addressing here are the ones who know what the king asks of us and we ignore it. We've come to the point where we just say, where we just say, I want to get away with it. I am getting away with it. That I can have both. I can look spiritual on the outside and I can do what I want on the inside with my actions, with my thoughts, etc. That's the part that Jesus is challenging. Jesus, the king of this story, is incredibly gracious. Incredibly gracious and loving and inviting and patient, etc. But he is no fool. And he knows what's going on. And there is a harsh challenge here to those of us who are dabbling with hypocrisy in our spiritual journey. In John chapter one, John describes Jesus in a, in a profound way. He says that Jesus is both full of grace and full of truth. And we see that a number of times throughout scripture. We're always attracted to the grace part and often the truth part rub, rubs us difficult. Here in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 22, Many are invited, that's the grace part, and that's the part we love. Yes, many are invited, we love that part. The second part of that verse, few are chosen, that's the truth part. That's the part that's a little more difficult to swallow, and that's what I think Jesus is addressing in this story, is the, the truth part of this. I think overall, the point of this story is that yes, we are invited to the, to the banquet, but we need to honor that invitation. We need to understand how much of an honor and a privilege it is to be invited to that party by the king. That that invitation is not, um, is not, is not something we're entitled to it's not something we deserve. It's not something we should make light of and put it on the fridge and, ah, maybe I'll go, maybe I shouldn't. It is something that we are to, to honor. It is an incredible privilege to be invited to this party with the king. The servants, the inviters, they went, they, they went out and understood this was an incredible honor. That's why they made the efforts of going out and inviting people and saying, you need to come to this. They understood it was an honor. Those who refused to come they didn't understand the honor of, of the invitation. Not only did they refuse to come, but it also says that they killed the servants. They killed the messengers. They obviously didn't honor the king and the invitation. And then the, the guy wearing the wrong clothes, he didn't honor either. He came in, he just wanted the food and drink, just wanted, just wanted the party, but wasn't honoring the king and what the king was inviting them into in terms of a transformed life. Sometimes um, when something is free, we think it is worth less. You, you know, if, if, you have, if you buy tickets to a show, you're much more likely to attend the show than if you get free tickets to it. If you 
pay a down payment on a house, you're much less likely to foreclose on that home than someone who gets into a home and they don't, they don't have any payments. They don't pay anything on the front end. Just, just, just because the invitation to the kingdom is free doesn't mean it's worthless. So please understand that, that the king, the inviter, the one who's hosting the story, God, God is not desperate. God is not saying, please, please, someone, please come to my great party. God is not desperate. He's gracious. He holds this incredible party. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Few truly understand the honor it is to be invited to that party. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Some people receive the invitation and, um, and they refuse to come. And other people, um, like the last guy in the story, receive the invitation, attend the party, and just assume they can just experience all that the party has to offer. But they refuse to surrender to the king. Jesus says that many are invited, but few are chosen. My hope is that you are one of the few. My hope is that, is that, is that us here in this room, we understand the honor of being invited to be a citizen of the kingdom. That this series is not just about learning more about the book of Matthew, but this is a, a series that invites us to be transformed by the, by the king who is offering this incredible wedding banquet. If we set aside those who refuse to come and we set aside those who refuse to surrender, Jesus says there's only a few who remain. My hope is that you and I are one of the few. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I hope that here in this room that we have represented you well. God, I, this is a difficult story and, and uh, I stand here with humility, never assuming that, that that I understand your mind, your thoughts. But God, my hope is that, is that as we look at this difficult story, is that we have represented you well. That, that it is true what your invitation means and that few are actually chosen. God, would you help us to walk out this week understanding that the invitation to be part of the kingdom is an incredible honor that should not be taken for granted. Would you show us this week what that means? In your son's name we pray. Amen.